We begin a brand new series of messages today, uh, House of Cards, building a home that lasts a lifetime. As a kid and as an adult, I would often take cards and try to build houses from them, stack them up and try to go two floors or three floors or, and try to m- make a home. And notoriously, if you pulled one card or two cards out, the whole house would fall down. And so we're going to take a look over this series at things that help to make our homes a place that lasts a lifetime so that there isn't an area or two that we refuse to give over or give into to work at that right now might be the thing that's dividing your home. And one of the primary things that causes a house to crumble and not allow it to last a lifetime is conflict. We all face it, and you will face it today, tomorrow, this week, if you haven't faced it already. It's a reality when you bring two human beings with sinful desires into the same room, same place, that there won't be from time to time conflict. But what we do with that conflict is important, and how we resolve it is very important. Let me show you what I mean. Take a look at this video. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James 1, 19. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? James 4, 1. way that seems right to man, but in the end, leads to death. Proverbs 14, 12. The application coming out of all that we looked at last week was to begin to understand the most difficult part of any conflict was seeing our part in it. Encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today. Hebrews three thirteen. Hey, hon, do you think that I feel I always have to win an argument? Hey, that's not an answer. Actually, that is an answer. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I invalidate people when I get worked up. Sometimes, yes.
win an argument, you don't really win anything. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19:11. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Be, patient. One Be devoted to one another in love. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Honor one another. Comfort yourselves. one another. Agree with one another. Love others. Forgive others as Christ loves and forgives me. You're ready. Can we get out? Can we get out? Can you guys? Yes, we can get out. What can I carry? Because you just say in Jesus' name, amen, go home. I mean, what else can you add to that? There's a lot we can add to that. We need to live out those truths. And the reality is this, there are answers in God's word everywhere when it comes to conflict and resolution. So let's go there and see what James has to say. Open your Bibles to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And if you need a Bible... Hold your hand up, and our ushers will be glad to put one in your hand. But find that so that you can follow along in your mobile device or in in your own Bible. And when you find that, James chapter 4, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to read it out loud together uh, here in a few seconds to see what James has to say regarding conflict. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Would you read it with me out loud together? Ready, read. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And you desire not to have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You may have a seat. You, me... I am the source of the conflict. If we could get this one down, if we truly took ownership of that we can be the source of the conflict, then we are well on our way to resolving the conflict that's in front of us. If you're with a family member right now, I'd like for you to do something, or, or they're behind you, around you, or near you. You're with a husband or wife, mom or dad, maybe a friend, even a friend, a co-worker. I want you to do something. And the, the fact is this, James is saying, you are the source of the conflict. I want you to look at them. Go ahead, take a look at them. Find that person, look at them. And I want you to look at them and tell them, you are the source of conflicts and quarrels. <laughs> yeah, tell them that. All right. Didn't that kind of feel good? Just get that off your chest. All right, you can quit doing that now, okay? Just Some of you really wagging that finger, just really giving it some. But James is saying just the opposite here. Now, 
turn to that same person, go ahead, turn to that same person and say this. I am the source of conflict and quarrel. I am the source. Some of you really want to say, in Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are grabbing your iPhones and taking video of that for, for later arguments. James is saying that. He really is saying this. I'm not saying it, but James, the brother of Jesus. Now, consider that for a second. Living with Jesus your whole life, who lived out his life and in a perfect way, and being an imperfect brother, I'm sure there were times of conflict. James is saying, you are the source of conflict. It comes in verse 1. Look again at verse 1. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your, what? Desires that battle within where? You. James is saying they come from within you. Right now, you want to say, wait a, wait, a, wait a minute, Pastor Jim, wait, wait, wait a minute. You don't know my story. You don't know how many times I've been around the block with this issue. You don't know my coach. You don't know my boss. You don't know my son. You don't know my daughter. You don't know this neighbor. How can you tell me that I'm the source of the conflict? I'm not telling you that. James is saying because of the evil desires within you, the source of conflict comes within us. You might say, no, 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 wait a minute. You don't know that he comes home late every night when he said he would come home. You don't know that my kids don't clean the rooms when they're supposed to clean the rooms. You don't know that my dad always makes my, my, my mom angry by, by not picking up the laundry. You don't know what's happening. In my house. You don't know that this is the 53rd time he's done that. I want to say love keeps no record of wrongs. You don't know, you don't know, you don't know, you don't know. And James is saying, wait a minute, pull away. Let's, let's set all that aside. Let's take a look at this conflict. What's causing? The conflict occurs because of the evil desires that come from within you, me, us, individually. Well, you might be thinking, I'm the leader and they're supposed to be listening to me. Doesn't father and dad and husband know best? Doesn't mom know best? Or if he would just do it my way, then there wouldn't be any conflict. If she would just do it my way, then there wouldn't be any conflict. Yet James is saying the reason there is conflict and quarrels is because of us, because of you. And as long as you blame others, there will always be conflict. Like if you're not willing to take ownership of some part of the conflict, there will never be resolution, never be resolution to this issue that's in front of you. The blame game leaves everyone conflicted. Seriously, think about this. Those of you who are litigators, those of you who could be defense attorneys when it comes to arguments with your wives. I mean, you got the spreadsheet out. You're like, you, you go through the syllogisms, A plus B. If A and B are true, then A plus B equals C. And you, you, you argue it out. And seriously, after you've, you've, you've laid out your case and, and the judge has made its verdict you and you walk away and you win the argument, do you really win? Does anyone win if you haven't taken some ownership of it also? I watch it happen all the time in conflict. I watch it unfold, and I watch this unwillingness to take some of the responsibility. I watch it happen my whole life in, in, in families and in churches and in friendships. I've watched it happen in churches. I've watched it happen with me personally as a father and as a husband and as a friend and, a, and as a pastor. I can't believe you said that, you did that. 
or if I would just do this, then it would be better. I watch it happen in marriages and relationships. I watch that one is not willing to take ownership of a portion of the issue and the conflict at hand. And all they want to do is point their fingers only and say, if you just get your act together, then we would be much better off. Andy Stanley has some great stuff in regards to this, and I've listened to some of his teaching on this through the years. And, but he talks about an issue that I think really grabs the center of this. He said, consider if you can, if you took the issue at hand, the conflict at hand, just, just consider that it was somewhat in the shape of a circle. Now, that's the conflict. Like, that's the thing that, like, you guys and I will always, like, we find ourselves, like, like, just angry, like, that's the thing that causes the, the fight, the quarrel. That, that's the issue. Now, just picture, if you can, whatever that is for you with that person, with that job place, with, with that school, with, with, with that brother, with that sister, with that friend, with that husband. Away. Picture what it, like, that's it. He tells a story in his early days of pastoring that uh, he used to do marriage counseling, he said, but he gave it up because he wasn't patient enough. He, people would say, hey, here's what I'm doing, she's doing. And he'd say, he would stop in the middle of counseling and say, well, here's what you need to do. One, two, three, things will be better. And he said, then they wouldn't do it. It's like, well, why meet with them? He said, I just wasn't patient enough. But in any case, he, 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 he talks about this circle of conflict. So in the early days of counseling, he talks about in counseling, he used to ask a husband and wife, he would look at the same, this, this is the circle conflict, this is your thing, this is your issue. How much of this issue will you take responsibility for? And he said through the years, he would ask this question to husbands and wives. And he said, there wasn't one occasion that one husband or one wife was willing to say, you know what, I'll take responsibility for this much of it. Or... I'll take responsibility for that slice of it. Or I'll take responsibility for this slice of it. He said, through the years, no one would take responsibility because if they took responsibility of it, then it meant they were partially at fault and they needed to do something with it. And so they weren't willing to take responsibility. So let me just ask you a question. Think about that thing, that person, that issue, that, that, that unresolved conflict. You have. How much of that Concern, how much of that issue are you willing to take responsibility for? How much of it are you willing to take responsibility for? James is saying this all of us bear some responsibility. It might be 5%, it might be 10%, it might be 25%, it might be 50%, but until we're ready to say that we have to take responsibility because of the evil desires and selfish desires within us, then we will never see resolution to this conflict. But that's hard, isn't it? Like, I don't like, like Pastor Jim, like, 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 why would I take responsibility when, when he's been doing this for like, and he's like 98% responsible for it? Like, how can my 2%, how can my slice of this pie, how can my slice of the pie that's only that big, and he's all that? How can, if I take care of this, how's that going to resolve it? See, here's the problem that, we, that in our minds as Christians, we have yet to resolve. I'll preface it by saying this. Is one sin better than 50 cents? Is, are 55 sins worse than one sin? Does one sin cause separation from God as easy as 55% of the sins cause separation from God? You see, in our minds, 
we, we tend to lose perspective of what sin has done. One sin separates us from God. I mean, that's why Christ came to the cross. And if we haven't repented of our sin, and we haven't received this gift of Christ on the cross and the death and burial resurrecting of Jesus Christ, then we would never be able to, 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 to close the gap We would always be separated. It's the same way in this conflict. If we're not willing to recognize that 1% causes separation and it brings our evil to the conflict, then we will never resolve. Because when we try to go and fix it, when we try to fix them, we haven't resolved that we bear responsibility. We haven't taken ownership of our own sin. So it doesn't matter whether it's 95% of the pie or... 5% 5% of the pie, and Andy Stanley went on to say this. He said, the reason we don't like to take a slice of the pie, he said, the reason we don't like to take ownership of a slice is because when we take an ownership of a slice, we got to be nice. So James is saying we are responsible because of the selfish desires that war with inside of us. The second you begin to blame someone else, you lose the ability to find resolution to your unhappiness. If you want to bring resolution, then stop passing full blame on to someone else. You see, here's the problem, though. We want control over other people's responses. Like, we want to be able to control how they respond. You don't have control over anyone else but yourself. James says this in verse 2. Look what he says in verse 2. He says, you desire but do not have. So you what? What's the word? Kill. Come on, help me out. Verse 2. You desire but you do not have. So you what? You kill. You what? Covet. But you cannot get what you want. So you do what? Quarrel and what? Fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. You want something. And if you can't get it from that person, if you can't get it from that school, if you can't get it from that husband, if you can't get it from that child, you want it so badly. If you can't get it, James says, you will kill them. You covet. By the way, covetousness is a sin. And you cannot get. And so you sin. So you're willing to continue to hurt someone with your words or actions instead of taking ownership of, and a piece of the pie of the conflict that's in front of you. You see, the problem is this. The Bible says that you and I bear responsibility for partially for this too. And any part of it is sin. And so one sin is just as bad as 55 sins. One percent can be as bad as 99 percent. They're both sin. If you haven't dealt with your sin, it separates you from God. But you dare not believe that because it forces you to take a step down. Yet all through Scripture, he who humbles himself will be lifted up. James says, The cause of quarrels and fights are the desires that battle inside of you. Right now, if you are willing to own this, then the room temperature with that argument that you're having with your wife, with your kids, with your coach, with whomever it is, it will drop 50 degrees 
every conflict comes as a result of something you want from someone else and you can't get. And you want to say, no, no, Pastor Jim. It is something I deserve. James says, you want it so badly that you will kill to get it. Just so you can get what you want. And it begins with our words. This whole book talks about words and be careful what you speak. Be, be slow to listen. Or quick to listen and slow to respond. James' whole book is talking about words and actions and our lips and our tongues. He says, listen to me right now. Some of you are breathing death and destruction over a, an issue. If you just bore some responsibility and dealt with your own piece of it, this conflict could it originally and, and initially be brought to a new light because you have resolved this relationship with God and you would approach them differently and probably resolve it. Proverbs 18.21 tells us what happens with our words. Words have the power of life and death. And because we can't get what we want, you know what we do? Here's our response. Like, well, I can't get what I want from him. No, nope. I've tried. I can't get what I want from her. I can't get what I want from that, that business. I can't get what I want from that group of people. I can't get what I want. And if I can't get what I want, you know what we do? We divorce ourselves of the whole situation. We just leave it. Like, I'm not going to approach it and think that there's some evil desires, sinful desires, and fleshy desires. I'm just going to divorce myself of the whole situation so that I don't have to deal with it. And so we shut that person out. We dust off our hands and say, I'm not dealing with it anymore. And we do it in relationships. And instead of, well, I just can't deal with that. We've tried over and over and over and over. And so our response is, I'm just going to divorce myself in this situation. I'm going to go find another one that will replace that situation, replace him as my leader, replace that place, replace that. I'm going to move to another state and get another job. I'm going to move away. I'm going to divorce myself. Listen, you will never find resolution if you take the same you to that place and you haven't dealt with your part. James is saying, oh, wait a minute. You think if you divorce yourselves of this and just like push it out, like unfriend them on Facebook, like they're going to go away? Like that is so junior high, by the way. Just (laughs) all you're doing is taking the same you to the next place and you haven't dealt with your piece of the conflict. By the way, you can't control what others say about you, but we can control what we say about them. And James is saying, don't take the next step and build your case. Like, we, 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 we all have been, we, we, we found ourselves like, it just feels good though. Let me tell you about them. And we go out here and we take, and we run away. We divorce ourselves of these people. I'm not dealing with it. And we go out here and we start poisoning them with words. Like anybody we can hear, let me tell you about them. Let me tell you all that she does. Let me tell you about that school. Let me tell you about that church. Let me tell you, tell you. And James says, because you don't deal with the sinful desires within, you kill others with your words. By the way, that is called sin. And until you deal with that, there will always be separation from God. James reminds us here that we can be murderers with our words. So here's how it goes. Instead of addressing our sinful desires, the landscape is littered with dead family members, relationship after relationship killed because people couldn't get what they wanted, from them, 
and they refused to ever consider that it might be because of them too. Parents mad at children, children mad at parents, relationship after relationship littered with shame and guilt and hate, all because you want something from them so that you can feel prouder and better about yourself to prove them that they were wrong and you were right. And James is saying, oh, wait a minute. Everyone has some part of this conflict that they need to resolve because of the selfish desires within you. You know why people get hurt? It's because you get close to them. We're sinful people. And until we deal with our sin, we will never get resolution to the conflict. So, at some point, James says, in the middle of the conflict, we must say, it's not them, (laughs) even though I think it, it's not her. It's not just him. It's not just that business. It's not just that teacher. It's not just that mentor. not just that pastor. It's not just that. It's not just that. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. See, whether you realize it or not, until we do that, we've placed our happiness in the hands of another person. So many of you will say, I'm not moving on and feeling better about this until he or she get this down. If we all just pause in the midst of conflict and quarrels, I mean, think about the times you have. Think about the times that you've had conflict. Think about where you have borne responsibility for it. And someone has come to you, and they're bringing this issue. Like, they come to you, and you humbly say these words. I am sorry. You're right. I bear responsibility. Like, what do you do with that in a fight? Like, it's like you can't even have another jab back. It's like, like, you mean you don't want to fight about it? No, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Well, no, I wanted to come have a good one. Well, I'm sorry. When we bear responsibility... And we ask for forgiveness to God, it writes our relationship with him and in turn allows this relationships horizontally to be in a better place than they were before that conflict arose in our relationships. If everyone said part of the problem and not all the problem is I'm not getting what I want and own that, then a lot of the conflicts would be resolved. But instead, we sulk, we litigate, we scream. By the way, families are all different. You know, it's like, I come from a loud family. Like, we sit at the table and we laugh out loud. We, you know, and, and the vol- like at Christmas gatherings, like if you walk into a gathering like with the Browns and the Anderson, it's like, it's like it just gets louder, louder. Like, I got to get over and, and, and we'll scream across the room. And, like, and it's like, it's volume. It's like, it's up here. It's like, whew, like. If you come from a family background that's more quiet, you would walk in our room and say, what the world just happened in this room? Just, just what happened? Ann and I have had some real cool adjustments to make, and her family is just a wonderful family too, and, and their families are, aren't loud. Like, and, and I've said this before, like even Christmas gatherings, like you get our family, put the gifts in front of us, just rip them open, just... It's like a... a a, a, a fury mess that takes place. Like, look what I got, look what I got, look what I got. And it's like, 
her house, just open it up one at a time, hand it over. It's just nothing wrong, just different. And so when you bring these two kinds of personalities together, there's going to be conflict because I want it my way, she wants it her way, they want it their way. And so if we don't realize that we all bear some responsibility, then we won't find resolution to the conflict. Some of you are thinking, boy, I'd like to send this message this week to somebody. I can't wait. When's it coming out? Like, like when's it coming out? And James is saying, wait, 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 wait a minute. No. This is for you. For you to take responsibility for this. Not for Beth and Terry and Alice. And, and while I'm at it, I'd like to send it to Pastor Jim. Won't you just listen to your own message? He just ticks me off. And all I want to say is, there you go again. <laughs> By the way, just in light of this, making a home that lasts a lifetime, there's no such thing as just marriage problems. Like, it wasn't like you got married and you came into this marriage and like, like, like it was because you got married. The problems were there when you were single. But you just divorced yourself of them. Like, you know what you did when you were single? Like, if you didn't like your roommate, what'd you do? Just kick him out. Get out. Just get out. Don't come back. Like, you can't do that when you're married. You can't, like, just divorce yourself. Hey, get out. You'd like to, but you just can't do that. Or you didn't like your job when you were single. Instead of dealing with the conflict or that boss or that person or that way of doing something, you knew your way was better. Instead of dealing with it and saying, maybe there's a piece that I need to deal with, you just, like, you just went to another state and got another job. Because you could divorce yourself of it. And James is saying, no, you just can't go to another state. You just can't, you can't go to another marriage. You can't just say, I'm just going to another place. I'm moving. I'm leaving here. I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm divorcing myself. And so many of us, we have this single problem that we bring into marriage. I'm going to go to another church. I'm going to go another place. I'm just going to go. And you haven't dealt with this issue that says, you bear responsibility. I bear responsibility. And until we bear responsibility, there will never be resolution to conflict. In Jesus' name, amen. Go home. <laughs> See, we don't like this, though. Like, I don't like this. Like, I'm only 1% wrong here. Don't forget that. But sin is sin. And James lets us know here at the core of who we are is selfishness. Really, that's what it comes back to. It's these selfish desires to want to be right, to want to do it our way, because we think our way is better. Paul even addressed this in 2 Corinthians 5.15, when he said, And he died for all, Christ, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. At our core is selfishness. All of us. And until we recognize that, we will never find victory in the midst of conflict. Paul Tripp had some really good things to talk about sin, how we're sinful people. And he said that we need to recognize some things. First, sin puts us at the center of our world. That's what sin does. Like, 
Sin wants to put us at the center of our world. So every day when we wake up, sin rears its ugly head and says, it's all about my wants and my feelings and my needs and my dreams and my future. And so we need to stop ourselves in the midst of a conflict and ask ourselves this question. Why am I so upset and frustrated? And it probably revolves around the fact that you want to be the center of your world and sin does that to us. Sin also, in its most basic root, is antisocial. Now, pause and think about that for a second. Antisocial? Sin, in its Basic root is anti-social. So if we just let sin run rampant in our lives, our lives would be me, 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 and I will collect as many people that will agree with me and allow them to show me and tell me why me is so good and, 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 and put them in my world and put them, and so that I'm in the center of the world. Sin basically is, is, it, it is root is anti-social. But if it's all about you, eventually, there you'll be the only one left. Have you ever met where you've seen just sin run its root cause to the fullest extent, where this person, it's all about them, and because it's all about them, they're planning their world to be all about them, eventually it becomes so antisocial that all it's left is them in the center of their world. Sin also pushes me and us to dehumanize other people in our lives. That's what happens when it comes to conflict. I can't get what I want from them. They won't let me get what I want from them. And I'm not going to acknowledge that I'm partially responsible for this conflict. So we begin to dehumanize people in our lives. People are no longer human beings to us. They're just barriers and objects and obstacles that are getting in our way. We can't get what we want from them. And so we will do whatever we can to knock them out of our lives or divorce ourselves from those people. But the second they show me attention, the second they allow me to get what I want, we buy them Starbucks and Rise and Roll every single day. (laughs) But if they don't allow me to get what I want, I dehumanize them. And they become a barrier and roadblock that I kill with my words that I speak disparagingly about them. I tear them down because they won't give me what I want. Let me just ask a personal question today. How often have you had that kind of anger in regards to the kingdom of heaven? We get angry because someone stepped in the way of what we wanted to see happen or change or felt was justified, but we don't get angry about lost people going to hell. James says, the reason you fight and quarrel and have conflict is not because of him or her or them. or It's because of us, me, you. See, the reason it is, you want something but can't get it, so you get mad and you will kill, devour, spit flames, gain support, build a case until you get what you want, and if you can't get what you want, you will divorce yourself of that situation. And you take this angry, unrepentant person to a new place and say, hey, here I am. Guess what's going to happen in three months? The same stuff. 
But James says this, somewhere in this mix, we got to get our motives down right. He says there's hope in Jesus. In fact, look at verse 3. He says, so when you ask, you do not receive. Because you ask with what kind of motives? Wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So you say, well, okay, I'll take it to prayer. I'll pray about it. Like, God, fix him. God, zap her. God, give me what I, God, help them to see that I'm right again and they're not. You think God's going to honor those kind of motives? No. You see, if you keep going to God like that and you haven't dealt with your slice of the pie, here's the reality. If you haven't dealt with your slice of the pie and there's unrepentant heart, listen, those prayers, there is a ceiling to God, a ceiling towel. Like, why would God ever, ever, ever allow you to get resolution if you're not willing to deal with the own sin in your life. So we pray, we pray. I've been praying for him for 30 years. I've been praying for him for 20 years. I've been praying, 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 and nothing seems to change. It's all his fault. Oh, it could be my fault too. You have not because you asked with the wrong motives. By the way, before you carry your list into the bedroom tonight, before you sock and scream and litigate, before you talk to God and say, why in the world did you give me that chunk of meat? Before you go and speak your peace, before you go and post on Facebook how horrible someone is, before you take your list and point your finger and wag your hips, James says, Make sure you're asking with the right motives before you pray to God. It's amazing what happens when you go to God and say, Lord, I long to see resolution to this. God, I'm sorry. I, for the life of me, I haven't been able to see that I'm partially responsible too, and I'm sorry, God. But today the Holy Spirit is revealing that I'm partially responsible too. You see, those that humble themselves, God lifts up. Now, here's, 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 here's what's really interesting about this. The very thing that you want from someone, you want them to humble themselves, you're not willing to do yourself. So then you can go to prayer. You've cleaned up your peace. You've dealt with it. And then you can go pray to God. God, that's relationship that my daughter's in with this guy. I know you created him and you said it was good, but he's not good for her. Can, can you take care of that, God? God, I beg that you give me and my husband a new position in life. Please elevate him in the workplace, God, please. God, I beg you to help us in this marriage. I beg you, God, please. You see, when you go with the right motives, it removes that ceiling towel, and all of a sudden you go to him in a humble way, and this need to be right is dismissed because you bear responsibility and you don't operate out of a sinful, fleshly heart. Probably our best response to conflict should be this. God doing me a new work before I try to squeeze out of someone else what only you can give. Lord God, I beg you to reveal to me where I am the source of this conflict 
and I am willing to admit my fault. Selfish promises and prayers will never be answered by God. It's amazing how different you can feel after you give it to God and ask him to deal with them. It's amazing how many emails you delete and never send. And it's amazing how your language changes about that person when you deal with their own sin in your life. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Make sure you ask with the right motives. There are some people in this room right now, they're in relationships, and you believe you are so right about your husband. And so, or you believe you're so right about your wife, and you know that they need to do this. And so you've been praying, God, change their heart. God, reveal this to them. God, show them that I'm right. God, you do it. God, and I'm going to wait till you do it. And all the while, God is waiting for you to say, show me what I need to do and reveal to me where there's an error in my heart. You see, if you're not willing to do that, there will never be resolution to this conflict that is right there in front of you every morning when you arise and get out of bed. Here's how it happens when you pray without selfish desires. You soon realize that something has to happen in your heart and actions first. James is saying the issue could be you. And most likely, you need to bear some responsibility for it. All of us, every one of us, have had places where we've blown it, where we've had relationships that we didn't take responsibility and we, were, we forced our way, we got what we wanted, and we've hurt people. And so along the way, we need to go and ask for forgiveness. And so you probably have had those encounters. I've had people come to me, and you have too. They bring an issue about you, and you say, you know what, I'm sorry. And like, as soon as you say, I'm sorry, and you take responsibility for that, they might not necessarily get what they want, but they see that you are willing to say, I hurt you. I'm sorry for that. It changes the relationship. But I've had people, even when I've said, I'm sorry, and so have you, they still leave angry because they want something out from you that they can't get. all of us have hurt people. And so people will ask this question, like, what do I do when someone won't forgive me for the things I've done to them? What do I do with this person that I used to work with, with this teacher, with this coach, with this pastor, with, with this ex-wife, with this ex-husband, with, with these child, children had run away? How do, how do I get them to forgive me? Like, I've tried and I tried and I've asked for forgiveness from them, but I just can't get it from them. And, and so, what do I do with people who won't forgive me? What do I do with a dad that, that I did this to or mom or brother and they're dead now? Like, I can't make it any farther. Will I be able to function in this world if people don't forgive me? Let me just give you some brutal truths that will help you. You don't need their forgiveness to get up the next day and be the person Christ made you to be. You don't need them to forgive you in order to love them. You get your power to love them vertically and not horizontally through Jesus Christ. You will live your life in a state of paralysis if you think you need someone to forgive you. 
Listen to me. Please, please hear this. You will live your life in a state of paralysis if you think you need someone to forgive you. You have everything you need to live at the foot of the cross in Jesus Christ. Jesus already took it to the cross. All of your sins and he forgave you. Listen to me. That's enough. You can live and be the person you were designed to be, not based on someone forgiving you, but based on the fact that Christ has already forgiven you. And by the way, please hear this. It's never safe to put your spiritual well-being into the hands of another person. You can get everything you need from Jesus Christ. So let me just wrap up this opening message by asking a few questions. Who in your family is suffering because you are not getting your way? Who is suffering because this has more to do with you than it does with them? Everything we need All our hopes are found in Christ alone. And if we don't deal with the sin in our lives, we'll never be able to deal with the sin in other people's lives. We will just fight and quarrel and argue and fight and quarrel and argue and won't become the people that Christ intended us to be. Jesus, help us today. I pray that we won't say, oh, I can't wait to send this message to someone. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll reveal to us these situations we have with our husbands, our wives, our pastors, our friends, our co-workers, our bosses, and our moms and our dads, our brothers and our sisters, our neighbors, where we need to bear responsibility for our own sin. I pray, God, that we would take the high road and deal with that. Lord, we need you. All our hope and all our future is wrapped in you. No one else can solve our problems but you, Jesus. We need to keep that vertical relationship intact and make sure we haven't blocked the way to you. Lord, I need you. I need you. We need you. Work in our hearts in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen.